If you have your Bibles, if you'd open them up to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In your prayer sheet, there is a handout for tonight's study. I told you after we finished our Bible Institute, which completed last week, we did a study on the tabernacle. I hope it was a blessing to you that I would go back to our study on the book Revelation. But since Christmas is this next Monday, I felt it would be more appropriate to do a message dealing with that subject. Then after that, we'll go back to our study on Revelation. But tonight, I'd like to talk about probably the most important word that describes Christmas is the word grace. How many are grateful for God's grace? It's probably one of the most wonderful words in all the Bible, and it's a word that we're going to look at tonight. Tonight, I want to talk about Christmas, a magnificent manifestation of God's grace. That Christmas is a magnificent manifestation of God's grace. I hope you take out your insert in your little prayer sheet there and fill in some blanks that you'll see on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Here Paul is speaking to Christians, those who know Christ as Savior. And he says in verse 9, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Rich. Yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Interesting, he begins, for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word know is the experiential knowledge. He's speaking to those who have experienced God's grace. And if you're here tonight and you've trusted Christ as Savior, you have experienced God's grace. Because we know the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And if you're here tonight and you're not certain you have a home in heaven, you're not certain you have eternal life, let me tell you something wonderful about God. He's a God of grace. Grace is God not giving, is not giving us, is, but grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. There's two wonderful words in the Bible that deal with our salvation is the word mercy and grace. Uh, someone said mercy is negative and grace is positive. Mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. Grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. And so, uh, did I get those backwards? Grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. And mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. <laughs> That's what it is. That's the negatives. But anyway, grace here uh, says about God's grace. For by grace are you saved. But notice and listen carefully. This verse, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, few statements surpass verse 9 as a concise summary of the gospel. From the splendor of heaven, Christ came to the squalor of earth. The incarnation was an incomprehensible renunciation of spiritual and material glory. The one who was rich, who had everything, become poor, making himself nothing. He became what we are, poor, so that we might become what he is, rich. Talking about God's grace. And uh, again, grace means God's unmerited favor. God giving us something we uh, do not deserve. And so let me give you probably one of the most popular definitions of grace. You'll see it on the screen there. It's an acronym. A grace is spelled G-R-A-C-E. It means, uh, first of all, G, God's riches at Christ's expense. I like that, don't you? Grace is God's riches 
at Christ's expense. So tonight we'd like to talk about God's grace. Magnificent manifestation of God's grace was the, what happened at Christmas. So tonight I get three things. Hope you'll write them down. Three things. First of all, Christ's glorious preexistence, Christ's humbling incarnation, and the believer's wonderful inheritance. So let's begin, first of all, with Christ's glorious preexistence. This is prior to his incarnation. It says here, for you know the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich. When was Jesus Christ rich, by the way? This talks about prior to him coming to this earth, prior to his incarnation. I'm using a big word, incarnation. What does that word mean, incarnation? It means the enfleshment, that when God became flesh. When did God take on human flesh? In the person of Jesus Christ, when he was born of a virgin on this earth. So, uh, I'm talking about Christ's glorious preexistence. Turn with me, will please, to First Chronicles. Give me about 10 minutes to find that one, okay? First Chronicles in the Old Testament. First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles 29. Here it talks about Christ's preexistence prior to him coming to this earth in a person of, of human flesh. First Chronicles chapter 29, look in verse 11, please. First Chronicles 29, 11. It said, though he was rich. It says here, First Chronicles 29, 11. It says, thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head Above all, notice here, prior to his incarnation, his preexistence, first of all, he was rich in his presence. He was rich in his presence. Had a commanding presence, according to this verse, it was one of greatness, power, and glory. It said, Thine, O Lord, is greatness and power and glory and victory and majesty. All of these words speak of his presence, if you were to see him. Psalm 93, verse 1. Said the Lord reigneth. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself. The word majesty means splendor, honor, and glory. Talk about what he was in heaven. Clothed with greatness, power, and glory. If you were to see him prior to coming to earth, it was that of greatness, power, and glory. It was also one of beauty. One of beauty. In Psalm 27, verse 4. David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and behold the what? The beauty of the Lord, and inquire in his temple. So he was rich in presence, that of greatness, power, and glory, and one of beauty. Psalm 96, verse 6, honor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. That speaks of him and his presence. In uh, why he was in heaven. He was not only rich in his presence, he was also rich in possessions. Rich in possessions. Again, we're talking about though he was rich. In 1 Chronicles 29 11, we read that, that he said, For all that is in heaven and the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord. So all that is in heaven belongs to him, all that is in the earth belongs to him. 
Psalm 45, verse 8, all the garments, said all thy garments smell of myrrh, aloes, cassia, out of the ivory palaces. Notice that's what it's like in heaven, out of the ivory palaces, whereby they have made thee glad. How many have heard the hymn called Out of the Ivory Palaces? It talks about when Christ left heaven to come to this earth. He left the ivory palaces. But when it says there, all thy garments smell with myrrh and aloes and cassia, Albert Barnes said this in commentary. The imagery he is as one clothed in royal splendor and magnificent of royalty. That was his presence, and he was rich in possessions. But also in heaven, he was rich in his position. Rich in his position. Again, we're talking about it says, though he was rich in his presence and his possessions and his position. What was his position in heaven? Again, 1 Chronicles 29.11 says, Thou art exalted as head above all. He was exalted, but also he was high and lifted up. You got your Bibles. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6, please. Isaiah chapter 6. We're talking about the position that the Lord Jesus Christ held prior to coming to this earth. He was rich in his presence. He was rich in his possessions, all that in heaven belonged to him, and rich in his position. His position in heaven was exalted and high and lifted up. Isaiah chapter 6, please. In verse 1, Isaiah 6, verse 1. We're going to show you in a few moments this person that Isaiah saw was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ prior to coming to this earth. Isaiah 6, verse 1. It says, In the year the king Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw also the Lord sitting upon where? A throne, notice here, high and lifted up. And his train filled the, the temple. Above it, the throne, above the stone, the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, who is this individual that Isaiah saw sitting upon the throne? I encourage you to write down John chapter 12, verse 37. John tells us it was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Prior to his incarnation, John 12, 37 through 41, he said, These things said Isaiah when he saw his, about the Lord's glory, and spake of him. So Isaiah saw the Lord prior to come to this earth and rich in possessions, position, and his presence. And But also, notice he not only exalted and high and lifted up, he was praised and worshipped. In heaven, he was praised and worshipped. And we want to contrast that in a few moments, his position when he came to this earth. But in heaven, he was exalted. He was high lifted up and praised and worshipped and adored. Psalm 148, verse 2. It says, Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his host. Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, and excel in strength. The word bless means praise and adore. In heaven, he was worshipped 
He was praised. He was adored by the angels. He was high and lifted up. He was exalted in position and possessions and his presence. That's what it meant when he said, though he was rich. He was rich in possessions, position, and his presence. Talking about Christ's glorious preexistence. Number two. Now let's talk about Christ's humbling incarnation. Christ's humbling incarnation. It says back in, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it said, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became what? Poor. Talk about when he came to this earth, he humbled himself uh, in a stream way. Let me tell you how he was poor. First of all, he was poor in presence. Remember, in his presence in heaven, he was clothed with splendor, glory, majesty, strength, and power. What was he clothed in here on the earth? He was clothed he had, in, in his presence, poor in his presence. He had no honor. He had no glory. He had no majesty here on this earth. Isaiah 53. Let me read. In fact, if you were turning, you still have Isaiah? Turn to Isaiah 53, please. It talks about the Lord's presence here on this earth. Now, if you think about this, in heaven, he was clothed with glory, honor, majesty, power, and strength. He owned heaven itself. All that in heaven and earth belonged to him. He was worshipped by the angels, adored, high and lifted up. But he left all that and humbled himself and came to this earth. And notice now, he said, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He was poor in presence. Isaiah 53, verse 2. Look, it talks about him. Isaiah 53, verse 2. It says, he hath no form nor commonness. And when we see him, shall see him, he has no form or commonness. In other words, when you saw the Lord Jesus here on earth, there was nothing attractive about him. There was nothing... Uh, no one desired to see him physically. In heaven, uh, that they desired and worshipped him. On earth, he was despised and rejected. Let me ask you a question. Before you were born, if you could have chosen the body that you have, your appearance and how you would look when you become a, a grown person, would you chose the looks you have now? Would you chose the way you look now? Chances are most of us would not. You probably have some idea that you'd, you'd, you'd prefer to look like. Maybe you're not so handsome. You say, well, I wish I was really handsome. Maybe you feel like you're not very pretty and say, I wish I was beautiful. So my question is, you know, the one person who could have chose how he looked? The Lord Jesus Christ. But he chose a look that had no beauty about him. There was nothing attractive about him. It says in Isaiah, he hath no form, no commonness, and when we shall see him. The word form means his appearance. The commonness means no glory or majesty. There was nothing attractive about him. He attracted people not because of his looks, but because of his actions. So he had no honor and glory. Next, he had no beauty to be desired. No beauty to be desired. It goes on to say, there is no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing physically attractive about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the body he chose. He, uh, in heaven, he was adored and worshipped. 
honored and glorified on earth, there was nothing about him that drew man far as physically to himself. He was poor in presence. Next, he was poor in possessions. Remember, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He was poor in possession at his birth. What, where, where was he born, by the way? Was he born in a palace among kings? Did he chose that to come live in princes in a, a palace? The Bible said he was born in a stable. What is a stable, by the way? It's a place where animals live. Luke chapter 2, verse 7, he was born in a stable, and she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in an inn. What is a manger? It's a feeding trough. Can you imagine that? Now think about this. His glory, what he had in heaven. I mean, sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. He come to this earth, and he was born, and his uh, uh, place, his crib was a feeding trough. And those accompanying with animals. I imagine it wasn't very smelling very good in, he in there. If you've been to a, a stable before, it's not a very pleasant place to be. The smell is not very, not uh, good at all. So at his birth, he was born in a stable. But also, you realize he was born of poor parents? He was born of poor parents. How do we know that Mary and Joseph were poor? And we know that by the sacrifice they made when uh, Jesus was born in Leviticus uh, 12, verse 8, give direction. Luke 2, 24 says this. And they went to the temple to offer a sacrifice according to that which was, is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now, a normal person would offer up an animal sacrifice like a lamb. But the book of Leviticus made arrangements for those who could not afford a lamb could offer up either a pair of doves or pigeons, those who could not afford that. And, and what kind of sacrifice did Mary and Joseph offer? A poor sacrifice. In other words, that represented poverty. So he was born in a stable. He was born of poor parents. I don't know about you. <laughs> If I had a choice of parents and whether they were poor or rich, I would have chose a rich one, wouldn't you? <laughs> now, my parents were not rich, by the way. It was not my choice, but I wouldn't trade them for any other parents. But they were not rich. And so he was poor in possessions, born in a stable, but also how about at his birth, how about during his earthly life? During his earthly life, was he rich or poor? We know the Bible says he was poor. In fact, Jesus Christ himself said, said this about his earthly life. Why he was he on this earth? Matthew 8, 20. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds have, uh, of the air have the nest, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't have a home. He said foxes have a hole in the ground, birds have nests in the trees, but the Son of Man himself has no one to, nowhere to lay his head. So at his birth, he was born in a stable, born of poor parents. During his earthly life, he was poor, uh, had no place to lay his head. But also, at the time of his death, was he rich or poor at the time of his death? He was still poor. The only thing that he had to his name when he, he died or crucified was the coat the Roman soldiers gambled over. Remember that? In John 19, verse 23. Then... The soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments 
also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from top throughout. And they said, therefore, among us, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. All he had was a, a coat that did not have any seam in it. That's all he had. So he was poor in his presence, nothing pretty about him, nothing attractive about him. He was poor in possessions. He was born in a stable, born of poor parents. Even during his earthly lives, he had no place to lay his head. The only thing he had to his name when he died was a coat uh, the Roman soldiers gambled over. So he's poor in presence and possession. But how about his position? What position did he take upon himself when he became a man? The Bible said that of a servant. That of a servant. He was a servant. Philippians 2, verse 7. Now, remember as I cover this, his position on earth. Remember his position in heaven. In heaven, he was what? High and lifted up. Exalted. Praised. His garments were that of strength and honor and praise and glory. He was adored. He was worshipped. But he come to this earth... There was nothing attractive about him. He was born in poverty. He lived in poverty. And, and he was poor in position. In Philippians 2, 7, it said, But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. So of all the positions he could have taken upon himself when he came to this earth, he came to serve. In fact, the Bible says, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He was a servant, but also in a position, he was despised and rejected. Have you ever been rejected before? You have had someone just reject you or despise you? It's not a comfortable feeling, is it? And in heaven, he was adored and admired and worshipped. On earth, despised, rejected. Isaiah 53, verse 3. It said, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and he was despised, and we esteemed him not. The word esteemed means he had no value, regard, and they consider him worthless. That's the position he took on this earth. And by the way, why did he do this? Why did he give up all that in heaven and come this earth? Remember the verse? He said, though he was rich, yet for what? Your sake. He became poor. He did that for you. He did that for our sakes. Christ's glorious preexistence of worship, of praise, honor, and glory, high and lifted up. Christ's humbling incarnation, that of being a servant, that of being rejected, nothing pretty attractive about him. And now let's conclude with this, number three, the believer's wonderful inheritance. The believer's wonderful inheritance. Again, the verse we're looking at, it says, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Why? Read on. That through his poverty you might be what? Rich. The believer's wonderful inheritance that you might be rich. Let me share with you. The scripture says the believer is rich. By the way, are you rich? May not be earthly speaking, but heavenly or spiritually speaking, you are very, very wealthy if you're saved. 
Scripture says the believer is rich. Listen to this verse. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. He's speaking to the church at Smyrna. He says, I know thy works and thy tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. In other words, we may be poor, humanly speaking, but heavenly speaking, my friend, we are rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, as sorrowful and yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. Here's a question for you. How do we make other people rich? In other words, we don't give them money. We share the gospel with them. And when they trust Christ as Savior, they become rich, like you are. Rich, with, first of all, rich with blessings. Listen to this verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It speaks about the spiritual condition of a believer. Rich with blessings. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessings of the Lord, it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it. So the Bible said he came to earth that we might be rich. We're rich with blessings if we're saved. And next, we're rich because of inheritance. We're rich because of inheritance. Turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 1, please. Ephesians chapter 1. It speaks about the inheritance we have in Christ. Now, for those of you that have earthly parents, and chances are, if they're still alive, that one day they will die, and you may inherit what belongs to them. But they, they may not have much, in earthly speaking, and you may not be rich through their inheritance, but as a child of God, you are extremely rich because of inheritance you have in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, please. Again, we're talking about that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty, through what he gave up and sacrificed, you might be rich. We're rich with blessings. We're rich because of inheritance. Look what it says in Ephesians 1, verse 11. It said, in whom to my Christ, in Christ also we have obtained and what? Inheritance. Read on. And go down to verse 16. It says, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in our, my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his glory, of his what? Inheritance in the saints. So here Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus, that God would open their eyes and they might begin to see clearly from God's word the blessings, the inheritance they have in Christ. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let me read that for you. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. I'll be on the screen there. Blessed be the God of our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to and what? Inheritance. That God saved us to an inheritance, 
and he describes it here. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It will never fade away. Reserved where? In heaven for you. Now compare that to anything you may have on this earth. On this earth is the possessions corruptible and incorruptible. They're corruptible. They're going to decay. Are they defiled or undefiled? They're defiled. Will they fade away or they last forever? They'll fade away. You know, we've been doing some work on our house because it's wearing out. In a sense, fading away. And we had to replace many stuff in there because it doesn't last forever. But what you have in heaven will. It's, it said it will not fade away and reserve in heaven for you. In Colossians 1.12, Paul said, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So we have an inheritance in heaven. So we're rich in blessings. We are rich because of inheritance. And lastly, we're rich with material wealth. Not earthly wealth, but heavenly wealth. How many of you know John chapter 14? Let me quote it for you. John 14. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are what? Many mansions. If we're not, so I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. So Jesus made a promise to those who know Christ that he was going to go to heaven. And when he got there, what would he do? He prepare a special place for you, a mansion. And so what is the mansion like we have in heaven like? You ever thought about that? Is there a book in the Bible that describes our mansion in heaven? Yes. Would you turn with me, please? Revelation chapter 21. Here it describes that place the Lord Jesus is preparing for you and I that know him as Savior. Revelation chapter 21. Remember, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In Revelation 21, verse 2. Now, as we read this, think about this is the place that God prepared for them that love him. Those who've trusted him as Savior. And this is the place you have because you are saved. Because of the sacrifice he made on the cross, he's given this to you when you received him as your Savior. Revelation 21, verse 2. Look what it said here. John said, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from where? From God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, think about this. We saw there in John where Jesus said, I go prepare a place for you. Here's that place being described. He said, I saw a New Jerusalem. He said, as a bride adorned for her husband, prepared by, for us. Go down to verse 10. He describes this place he's prepared for us. In verse 10, John said, And he carried me away into the Spirit and into a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, that holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. Here it describes this place God's prepared for us. Verse 11. He said, Having the glory of God, her light was like unto a stone most precious, 
even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. Verse 12, it had a great wall, high and 12 gates, and at the 12, uh, gates, 12 angels. Verse 18, and the building of the wall was jasper. The city goes on to say the city was pure gold, like under clear glass. And verse 21, it says the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent as glass. No wonder the Bible says we are rich in Christ. You know, the road I live on is asphalt <laughs> here on this earth, and it's got potholes in it. <laughs> you drive down, and you, go, you kind of bounce around a little bit. But I have a home in heaven that's made of pure gold. The streets are. The walls are made of jasper. The gates are pearl. And this is the place God's prepared for you. When he said, for you know the grace of Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became what? Poor, that you through his poverty you might be rich. Now, look at me, please, what it's about done. Let's take that verse apart, what we talked about before. He talks about God's grace. This is favor bestowed upon us we do not deserve. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, how was he rich? He was rich in his presence. He was clothed with splendor, honor, glory, majesty, strength, and honor. He was rich in possessions. He said all that is heaven and earth belong to him. He was rich in his position. His position was high and lifted up, exalted. One adored, admired, and worshipped by the angels. And my friend, he gave up all that. And came this earth and become poor. He was poor in presence. Because he had nothing about him attractive. He had no beauty about him that would desire him. He was poor in possessions. He owned nothing. All he had to his name when he died was a coat he was gambled over. The Roman soldiers gambled over. He had no place to lay his head. He was born of poor parents. And also his poor in position. What was his position? That of a servant. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. So truly he became poor. And listen carefully. It said that through his poverty, through what he gave up, you might be what? Rich. And so scripture explains how we become rich. It's through what he gave up for us. We become rich by what he sacrificed through what he surrendered, and by what he gave up. You know, as your pastor, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, one thing I've tried to uh, uh, focus on as a church here is giving a clear presentation of the gospel. And there's so many gospel presentations that are contrary to the Bible. And many people, many pastors say, if you want to be saved, you need to give your life. If you want to be, go to heaven, you need to surrender your life. But according to that verse, are we saved because we give our life or because he gave his life? Are we saved because we surrendered ourselves to him or because he surrendered himself to his father? Because he surrendered himself. It's not by anything we give up that gets us to heaven. It's what he gave up. Think about that. He gave up all that position, the splendor, the power, the glory in heaven. He gave up all of it. He became, though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, he became poor. He gave up all that. That through what he sacrificed, gave up, we might be rich. And that means when you receive Christ as Savior, you become rich in your presence, 
in your power and your position. And that, that is in heaven itself. So let me close with this tonight. That, that is really the true Christmas story. Uh, that what he gave up, that you might spend eternity with him. So let me close with this tonight. We've got just about four minutes. We'll be done. Let me ask you, are you going to heaven? Are you certain you have eternal life? Are you certain you're going to go to that place that God prepared for those who trust in the Savior? And most of you probably say, yes, I know that. And that's a wonderful, comfortable feeling to know heaven's your home. But if you're not, you're not certain about that. Let me show you in that quick illustration. And I will close with this. Let's see if I've got it in here somewhere. Somebody moved it, so I have to use one in my pocket. Look up here, please. We'll close with this tonight. And so if you're not certain heaven's your home, please let me show you a quick illustration, and we'll close with this. When I first saw this, it really helped me understand how I can go to heaven. And because of this, I trusted Christ as my Savior. Look up here, please. Let this left hand represent everyone here tonight, and let my wallet represent our sin. According to the Bible, how many of us are sinners? All of us. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So here we are. Here's our sin. We all have sin on us. We all have sinned against God. And the Bible says to go to heaven, we have to be without sin. Heaven's a perfect place. And not one sin will ever enter the presence of God. And the problem is we're not without sin. We all have sin on us. And this sin is what separates us from God. Again, to go to heaven has to be without sin, which none of us are. Let this hand represent Jesus Christ. The Bible says our sin separates us from God. So here we are. Here's our sin. And the Bible says because we've sinned, the wages of sin is death. So if we pay for our sin, we have to die and go to place to hell to do it. And here's what I didn't understand for a long time. We cannot save ourselves. Now, I always understood that I was a sinner. I didn't get spankings being good. I got them being bad. I'm a sinner like you are. And I understand the Bible says because I've sinned, I've earned the judgment of God. And the judgment of God for sin is death and hell. But I thought for a long time that if I did more good things than bad things, I'd go to heaven. I thought God had a big scale there. So I thought, and I got a bunch of good works here. I thought, well, if I would, if I'd go to church, and if I'd read my Bible, and pray, and be kind and moral, religious, and help people in their need, and pile up all kind of good works, maybe one day I might get to heaven. If there's nothing wrong with good works, but it is not what? It does not pay for sin. It will not take away that which separates you from God. My friend, good works won't save you. No matter how good you try to be, you can't be good enough. So here we are. We're all sinners. We're all a penalty. And we cannot save ourselves. If I stop there, that's depressing. But here's the good news. The, Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became what? He came to this earth. Born of poor parents, born in poverty, lived in poverty, and they died on the cross. When he died on the cross, who did he die for? Us. And so let this hand represent Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, though he was rich in heaven, became poor on this earth, lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross. When he died, here's what he did. It is our sin that separates us from him. So what he did, when he hung on the cross, he took our sin off of us and upon himself. And there on the cross, bearing our sin and shame, God the Father punished him for what we've done wrong. He died on the cross, died for our sin. He was buried, and he rose again. And now he offers you eternal life as a free gift.
Remember, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be what? Rich. And that means if you believe that when he died for you, he died to pay for your sin, it was rose again, and if you trust him to save you, that you would not perish, but you would have everlasting life. And all that he has in heaven now becomes yours. And truly through what he gave up, you might be made rich. And if you're here tonight and you are saved, my friend, you may not be earthly speaking, but spiritually and heavenly speaking, you are wealthy. You have a home in heaven, a mansion there waiting for you. But if you have never trusted Christ as Savior, why not do that tonight? I don't know about you. If I wasn't saved, that would be a no-brainer decision for me. I would trust Christ to be my Savior so I could go to heaven. You can do that tonight. Let's bow together, please. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we conclude our service. Tonight I was talking about the Christmas story. And the one word that describes the Christmas story more than any other word is the word grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. And God offers you eternal life because of his grace. We're all sinners. We deserve his judgment. But because of his grace, he gives us heaven, forgiveness, eternal life. And all that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you not certain heaven's your home, why not right now receive Christ to be your Savior? And if you do, all that is his in heaven becomes yours. Why not receive Christ to be your Savior, that you might be rich in Christ? See, Pastor, boy, that's wonderful news. I've never done that before. But I'd like to do that tonight. Then why not tell God that? Right when you're sitting, talk to God. And your own thoughts, maybe just say something like this. Again, if you're not certain heaven's your home, say, talk to God and say something like this. Just say, dear God of heaven, I acknowledge, I admit that I'm a sinner. And because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe that Jesus was punished in my place. I believe when he died, he died for me. And paid for my sin, was buried, and I believe, as the Bible teaches, he rose again from the dead. And right here tonight, I'm trusting Christ to save me. Because I cannot save myself. I'm trusting him to forgive me and to give me eternal life. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, my friend, if that made sense to you, and you trusted Christ as your Savior tonight, I would like to know that. I'd like to pray for those who did that this evening. So if what I said made sense to you and you prayed with me to receive Christ as Savior, with heads bowed and eyes are closed, don't look around. I'm not going to put you on the spot or point you out in any way. I just want to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer tonight and you trusted Christ, would you just simply write where you're at? As heads bowed and eyes closed, simply raise your hand so I can pray for you. And what all, Pastor, here's my hand. I trusted Christ as my Savior here tonight. And what all? That made sense to me. I trusted Christ to be my Savior here this evening. Father in heaven, I hope that means each one has made that decision. And if not, they would truly trust Christ as their Savior before they leave tonight. We thank you for this wonderful season of Christmas, a season that declares the grace of God to the world. It talks about Jesus Christ, that though he was rich in heaven, yet for our sakes he became poor to come to this earth, and that through his sacrifice and his poverty, we become rich when we trust him as our Savior. Thank you for that wonderful 
truth of God's grace. In his name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Uh, I think that's all tonight. I hope you have a good day. By the way, I will see, hope to see you here Sunday for a Christmas Eve service. If not, I hope you have a wonderful Merry Christmas. You're dismissed.